talk to you about the annual exhibition. It's five seconds left. Will you kindly move? Three, two, one. Damn it, Bright. You know perfectly well I have to expose the film at nine o'clock precisely. What's this nonsense about digital photos not being eligible for the annual exhibition? It was a unanimous decision by the committee. The committee? You mean you and those old farts that hang around in your junk shop? You lot wouldn't know a good photo if it jumped up and bit you on the bum! Hello everyone out there, this is Michael Rosso. It's fall. Kind of when I think of fall, I think of cooler weather, crisp falling leaves, and murder. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? Midsummer Murders. I think of Midsummer Murders, the classic, awesome UK television program that started in the mid-1990s and continues through today. I received a letter uh, about Midsummer Murders because it's a classic episode, which is a film versus digital episode. Horrible photo, though. Digital, of course. And this is from Lars, and Lars says, I don't know if you have mentioned this episode of Midsummer Murders in your podcast, Picture of Innocence. It's on YouTube. Uh, I have listened to the first 64 episodes of your podcast so far, but the opening scenes of this special episode of Midsummer Murders are priceless film versus digital with such quotes as, Us film shooters. Uh. (laughs) They are not portrayed at their best, but it's worth a laugh, and there's lots of props down to the Western light meters and beige photo vests. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Love your show. Suffer from a bad case of gas. That's gear acquisition syndrome. That started years back, but your show certainly does not help. I have now all four formats of SLRs made by Pentax. 110, 24 by 36, both M42 and K mount. What is 24 by 36? 35 millimeter 35 film. Millimeter. Oh, fancy schmancy. Yes. That fit into a 135 camera. 645 and 6.7 with appropriate lenses to go. Ooh. Where does it stop? It does now, now I have been offered a Durst Labrador... Lab, Labrador. Yep. Durst Labrador 1200 enlarger with condenser, diffuser, and color Whoa, heads. Oh, that's huge. Practically for free from a pro photographer Take going it. digital. Film quick pics. Do not stock film. They are exclusively digital. <laughs> The wife threatened to change the locks on our front door. But check out this Midsummer Murders. It should be right down your street. Wouldn't have thought there was much call for it in the digital age. Please, Edward, do not use that word on these premises. And I love Midsummer Murders, and I've been talking about this episode for years now. But finally, we have some clips. And throughout this uh, broadcast, we'll be peppering little, oh, be cool. little quotes here and there. That's a very good episode. Yeah, as, soon as, as soon as I think you threw it up on, on Facebook, I was all over yeah. it. it was, it's a great episode. Of course, the classic is it's a very kind of stodgy, old-timey UK village where the film photographers are all, you know, in the 50s and 60s. Wearing the, the tan photo vests. Photo yeah. vests, shooting with Rolleiflex. Mm-hmm. And yes. Could one more time, one more time, could we have the title of the episode? The title of the episode is Picture of, of Innocence. Innocence. Okay, thank you. And I have the URL. I will put it on our show notes <laughs> for <laughs> all those <laughs> folks out there. I'll actually post the YouTube video in the show notes. If you want to spend an hour and a half on Great. our. Uh, these are full, like, these are mini movies. Each They are. They're like self contained. They're 90 more. minutes each. Mm-hmm. Each Midsummer Murder. It's funny, though. It's a good one. And watch. basically, it opens up with a gentleman in a field shooting a tree. And as he's ready to shoot, a digital photographer with a digital Nikon wearing a black leather jacket, like a biker gang or someone out of a Michael Jackson video, jumps in his frame and takes a picture of him. Yep. 
And, and he yells, There is a native in my frame! Does he say that? No, he doesn't. Oh. That's from another movie. You get out of the way. I'm trying to photograph this tree. So am I. He won't get out of the gentleman's frame. Oh, yes. Got a real cracker here, Lionel. One for the annual exhibition, I reckon. Your heap of junk hasn't got a prayer up against this baby. And then he starts boasting about how great Digital is. Yep. And then the gent with the uh, Roloflex explains that... We've made a decision in the village. There will be no digital images <laughs> accepted in the festival. Well, you can forget about the annual exhibition. The committee has decided not to accept digital images this year. What? What? In which the uh, digital photographer threatens him, which sets up the fact that there is a murder. Film versus Dig at its absolute worst. Murder. Murder. Thank you for the letter, Lars. I appreciate it. My name is Michael Rosso. I'm here in the FPP studio with Leslie Lazenby. Hi, Michael. Matt Mirage. Hey, how's it going, guys? And we have a great show in store. We're going to be talking about the uh, Olympus OM series of cameras, but specifically about the OM number... Three. OM3. We have a... Uh, OM to give away and OM1 to give away. Uh, we're going to be hearing from our FPP resident Nikon guy, Rick Paul. He's going to be talking about Nikon Lens Alphabet Soup. You know, if you're listening and you shoot digital or you're thinking about shooting film and want to make a conversion, the conversion from dig to film is quite easy if you use the Canon EOS system or Nikon. Mm-hmm. Because or, the lenses... Or, or Minolta. No. Yes. Yep. No. All of my Minolta autofocus lenses fit onto the new Sony bodies. Oh, is that right? We have yes. to talk about that. We'll talk about that. Matt's going to be talking about photography, uh, shooting at home versus traveling. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to hear about that. We have a Minolta XG1 giveaway, some listener letters, and so much more. And we'll be right back. What's this nonsense about digital photos not being eligible for the annual exhibition? It was a unanimous decision by the committee. The committee? You mean you and those old farts that hang around in your junk shop? You lot wouldn't know a good photo if it jumped up and bit you on the bum. Did you see that? Extraordinary behavior. Look what K-Watch got for you. Cameras, I got them. Yes, but this is the Kodak Advantix. Anyone can be an expert with this. Kodak, huh? Mm-hmm. Drop in loading, three picture format, and they process them right here. Smile! No! Yes! You got it. That's it. Love the camera. You are good. The Kodak Advantix 3200, only $77.99 at your Kodak headquarters. Today's Kmart. Feel it. Connect with me. Hey, it's Mike Rosso. I'm here in the FPP studio with Matt and John. Hey. I'm here to talk about the Film Photography Store. That's right. Film Photography Podcast. We have our own store, filmphotographystore.com. And if you have been thinking about getting a Polaroid camera, whether it's a Polaroid Pack camera, like the Color Pack 2, or the Polaroid 420 camera, that's Matt's camera. Oh, yeah, it's a great camera. Or maybe you want a Polaroid one-step close-up camera, a Polaroid impulse camera. Maybe you need some FP100C. Maybe you need some the elusive FP100B. Oh. Maybe you need some expired Polaroid, Polaroid Polo 108 film. I think I might. Yes. Filmphotographystore.com help support the guys at FPP to keep these shoes coming your way. Yes. Filmphotographystore.com, thank you very much. Now get over there. Mm, That's right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
Hey, we're back. Hey, let's uh, jump in with some letters. Uh, this one from Donald Duff McCracken. Do you know Donald Duff McCracken? Of course, yeah. <laughs> I think he's a member of the, uh, of the uh, Film Wasters group. Was he? Oh, yeah, this maybe? is a UK group of... Uh, I know we ha- normally have John read the letter, but... Yeah. Oh, John would give it the... This is yeah. Donald Duff McCracken. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It says, first of all, big thanks to you and all the guys and gals who put the show together. I really appreciate it. And a special big thanks to Leslie. What did I do? Because I really appreciate <laughs> that she's making the trek all the way from Finlay for the show. That is true. How was that track, Leslie? <laughs> well, it, it's a little uh, testing. Yeah. It's okay. It's about it really nine is. hours, right? About nine hours. Depends on what you drive. Eight yeah. and a half to nine and a half. Yeah. The fact that she is an Olympus fangirl does not hurt either. <laughs> Why am I writing? Why is he writing? We, is joke, writing? we joke about the dangers of gas or mm. gear acquisition syndrome for those just tuning in. But I've been seriously thinking about this recently and think my case of gas was affecting my ability as a photographer. In other words, getting more cameras was not making me a better photographer. Mm-hmm. Gas mm. was hurting me. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> sure. That can happen. Uh, I guess you become so interested in acquiring gear that you're doing all the acquiring and shopping but not honing in on your craft. You're not getting out there and shooting. You're just, yeah. Well, m- you might be getting out there and shooting. But you're not honing in yeah. on your craft. Yeah, you're just not working and out enough. And uh, I'm at the point right now where my craft is shooting cameras. <laughs> you know, I love shooting a new camera, different, not a new, different camera, yeah. different camera. That is joy. Uh, you tend so, to do uh, quite a bit of street photography, correct? A little. So you'll grab a camera that you've not used yet and Absolutely. go shoot some sites. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, I do have a request. Mm-hmm. I don't think you shoot enough at the Baker's Cafe. <laughs> I don't. Is it because you feel a little shy shooting in front of people? Maybe, you rather maybe not? possibly I just don't post them that you see it. Because oh. a lot of times the camera goes with me to lunch oh, okay. and there'll be a shot in there. So. And you've occasionally like helped out. You've been in the kitchen in a while. Oh, house. yeah. I'm on the 911. Oh, the, yeah, that's great. 911, they call down there, close the shop up, go down, nice sling hash. Right, right, right. Photographers can be a nerdy bunch, and frequently that nerdiness manifests itself in liking shiny toys. The importance of this ranges from photographer to photographer. There are some photographers who only shoot one trusted camera. Mm-hmm. That's that's to be admired. Yes. Oh, yeah. Chris Walker. He shot his same camera for 25 years. He shoots uh, 135 and 8x10. What does he shoot on 135? Um, he's a Canon user. Canon user? Yes. Canon he FD? Does, I don't know. Okay. I really don't know. Uh, he like does do 120, eight. but yeah. one of each, and that's it. There's something to be said for someone who uses one camera, because then it is strictly about what you're shooting, Ex- not yes. about... Yeah, I drive him course. nuts. To them, this camera has become an extension of their body and their mm-hmm. mind. Then, there are people who are more camera collectors than photographers. It may be okay for some folks, but I certainly do not want to be a collector. <laughs> I want to be a photographer. Time spent on one action takes away from the other. When I get too much gas, the following happens. One. I spend more time thinking about the hardware than what I will do with the hardware. This can be too much time on eBay, too much time re- reading and memorizing camera factoids. Number two. I spend too much money on cameras and not enough on film. Three. I never get to know the camera I am using. I hop from one camera to another without really getting to know the tool I am using. So true. Very true. You Very really valid points. Can, can, mm. you know, this, from the letters I receive, particularly have to do with Polaroid photography because the cameras are so vintage that each one has its own quirks. They do. So if someone spends the proper time with that camera... They will learn to understand which way the camera goes exposure-wise. Yeah, you get past the quirks, yeah. yeah. I call that charm. <laughs> you learn their charm. This would, be, <laughs> this would be a big problem if all cameras we use were new and perfect, but with old cameras that have gotten more unique, the situation is really amplified. My main weapon of choice is the Olympus OM-2. I have used this one since 1980. 
And as best as I can, I really understand that camera, Mike. Last summer, I went through this crazy purchasing spree. There was a lot of good reasons that I bought them, but the downside was that I realized I'm just not using them that much, and they're taking away way too much time from from cameras I know and love. This is from Don Duff McCracken. He brings up some very good points. He really does. Incredibly good points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lesson learned in the sense that uh, don't get too hung up on keep acquiring different cameras because then you never get to know one camera. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for working with the same tools over and over and over again. That also goes for films and papers and this carries over easily easily into the darkroom. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I've been using the same black and white film and developer for years now and there's things I, I look at what I'm producing now consistently versus when I was first starting that stuff it worked but gosh looks like crap (laughs) compared to after doing it for a long time so yeah here's a letter from uh, Joyce Godsey hey Godsey hey Godsey hey Godsey she says this is about the Lomography smartphone scanner she says I am so getting this (laughs) you go to Mm -hmm. Lomography.com and type in smartphone scanner I can go back to shooting film with this I guess she left I don't know I didn't know that she left one of the reasons I have put film aside was the chore of scanning it. It became too much like work. Some people really have a struggle with scans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's a learning curve. This would be mm-hmm. perfect for my type of photography. I can shoot the roll, use the C41 processing, and immediately scan and upload. I can't wait until I have the money for this. I think there's an upside to it. I, think, I, I do think a scanner like this will give you that instant gratification to throw your stuff up on Facebook. Yeah, or Instagram or something like that. I mean, I don't think you're going to be able to compare it to... Definitely not. A scanner, like a V700 scan. No, but it's it's enough to get you the, the preview to say, hey, this is a good image. You know, maybe I should mm-hmm. do a little more with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? What else? We, hey. Hey. Hey, what else we got? Here's a letter. It says, dear FPP team. I like to think of it as team FPP. Oh, it's, like team. A, it's like a greeting card. What is it? It, it is. Oh, it says whoa. greetings. Flickr name, uh, Ticho Photo. T-I-N-C-H-O-P-H-O-T-O. This is from M. F. Martin Morante. On this box, he sent us a box, donated some stuff to the FPP. On this box, you will find some items I found in storage, which I won't use, and maybe someone else will be able to do so. Also, I'm donating one of my favorite cameras to maybe encourage one person to load a roll in. I came across your show. What show? While researching paper negatives. Really? Huh. Which I've been doing with a 1946 Graflex Speed Graphic Ooh. Anniversary Edition. I still shoot everything, but life took me now to my first rangefinder, a Besser R3M. Anyhow, enjoy a the Bessa goodies. Besser R3M. Yeah. Besser Ooh. or Bessler? No, it's a Voigtlander Besser. Besser. The rangefinders. Yeah. Anyhow, enjoy the goodies. Cheers. Well, whatever you sent, Martin, I can assure you we enjoy them. And we're giving it away soon. Can yeah. you throw that bagel over here? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are not interested in the bagel, right? <laughs> You know what? Let's not waste any time. Let's roll in Rick Paul talking about Nikon lenses and, and alphabet soup. And Leslie and Matt, are you guys familiar with Nikon lenses at all? Sure, a little I, bit. I've shot with Nikons yeah. every now and then, and mm-hmm. I can attest that it's confusing. It is. <laughs> What's the most confusing about a Nikon? Uh, this is a 18 to 24 E G D. Le- I don't know all the different letters, so this is going to help. <laughs> so it is alphabet soup. It is. Yeah, there's tons of different letters, and they all mean something slightly different. Different generations, Ooh, different functions. Functionalities. Does this work with this camera? So let's roll it in. Yeah. <laughs>
This is Rick Paul in Tucson, Arizona for the Film Photography Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to you about Nikon lenses. Take a little bit of a divergence from my usual discussion about Nikon film bodies. Nikon's got a, a long history with SLR lenses and it, it can be a bit of a spaghetti soup. So I wanted to step you all through what that spaghetti soup means and, and hopefully make a little bit of sense out of it for you. So if we go back to the original Nikon F, which was the first um, SLR body, those lenses are generally referred to as non-AI, non-auto indexing. You can always tell a non-AI lens by the Nikon early lenses have those little, what they call the bunny ears that stick up near the lens mount. Well, the bunny ears on the the non-AI lenses are solid. They're just solid pieces of metal. You can't see through them. Next came the auto-indexing lenses, referred to as two different types, AI and AIS. There's not much difference between the two. They have, they still have the bunny ears, but the bunny ears have holes through them. You, you can, you can see, you know, a little bit of space through them. So that's how you can tell a non-AI from an AI lens. So the after 1977, the AI lenses were produced with this automatic indexing feature that eliminated the need to really have the the bunny ears. You didn't have to manually align the aperture ring when the lens was mounted. That made it a lot easier, and that's still kind of the system used today by Nikon and most other lenses. So moving on to the next type, there was a short-lived series of lenses referred to as Nikon Series E. Uh, you might still see some Series E lenses available out there on e eBay. Uh, they were bargain-priced optics, but they still had uh, good image quality. They were less rugged mechanical innards. They, they started to use more aluminum and plastic parts where brass had been used in the previous Nikons at the time. But these lenses are still pretty good, and they're a lot more rugged than you might think they are. So you'll still see some of those out there. So now we start to get into the autofocus lenses. The, the first autofocus lenses were referred to as the AFD lenses. These were lenses that were introduced back at the time of the F4 and of the, the, the classic uh, N90 uh, camera body. The D indicated that the camera was capable of talking to the lens, and the lens was able to provide distance information from the focusing system. That helped with the 3D matrix metering and the flash photography at the time. The, the next lens type is referred to as AFG. These lenses have no aperture ring on them. You cannot manually adjust the aperture. The aperture can only be adjusted from the, the camera body if the camera body has the ability to do that, which modern Nikon cameras do. Uh, some, some people joke that the G on these lenses stands for gelded, and there's a lot of film shooters that are upset with Nikon for having made this decision. Mine being one of them, I, I can't use some of my newer Nikon lenses on my older film bodies. But you still can use it on some of the older film bodies. If you look at a camera like the F4, which has shutter priority auto exposure, uh, you can mount a G lens on that just fine as long as you use it in shutter priority mode, where, where you're choosing the shutter speed and the camera's choosing the aperture. In that case, um, like the F4 will dial in the correct aperture and use it correctly. It works just fine on a camera like that. So you just kind of kind of watch your compatibility with the AFGs. Next type is the AFI. Uh, you won't see these much anymore, but you'll see these in, in uh, some lenses that were made in the past. They had an internal focusing motor. Today, you don't see the AFI referred to much anymore. Most of the ones you see with an internal focusing motor will be referred to as the AFS, which the S stands for the silent wave motor. Uh, the silent wave motor lenses are really nice. Most of the Nikon lenses made today that are the professional grade lenses are the AFS type, uh, which have that silent wave motor in them. Nice thing about the silent wave motor is you can have it in autofocus mode, but you can also reach out and grab the focusing ring and just turn it to manually override it. 
it's it's pretty nice. Another type of lens that's still made today are the DX lenses. The DX lenses uh, refer to the um, using with the cropped sensor digital cameras. Um, so they're not too useful for us with film bodies. Uh, you can't mount these because the coverage circle and size isn't enough to fill a 35 millimeter frame. You definitely want to stay away from DX lenses for mounting on your film bodies. Next we get down to some some special indicators. These usually follow the lens name of being an it would be an AFS something 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 kind of nomenclature. First is VR. That stands for Nikon's Vibration Reduction Technology. Pretty straightforward. ED is a designation you'll see. Stand for extra low dispersion glass, which reduces chromatic aberration and other defects. Other camera manufacturers use designations such as LD or UD, but for, for Nikon, their top of the lens glass has that ED specification. Uh, another term you'll see is micro. That's just Nikon's designation for a macro lens. IF, you might see that once in a while. That's, again, internal focusing, uh, and that has to do with the fact that the length of the lens does not increase or decrease when you're focusing. The whole focusing mechanism is internal to the lens. Kind of a neat feature too. Another designation you might see which would apply to film photographers would be IX. The IX lenses were specifically made for Nikon's APS film cameras. So if you should get your hands on one of Nikon's Pronia APS film cameras, you would want IX lenses for that. And you actually can on the Pronia 6i, you could use uh, some of the Nikon standard lenses on that body also. The last piece of the spaghetti soup I'm going to talk about today is DC. You'll see that on a couple Nikon lenses, uh, a few in the past and a few are made today. The DC stands for defocus control. It was a way of changing the appearance of the out of focus portions of the image, especially useful for portraits. The DC lenses are really kind of special and they're actually pretty kind of neat. The people who have those lenses really enjoy them. So uh, that's all for today. I hope this explains some of the uh, Nikon spaghetti soup. And uh, again, this is uh, Rick Paul for the Film Photography Podcast. I feel a little bit smarter now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was wonderful. Hey, it's Mike here with John. The Darkroom is near and dear to my heart because uh, Phil from The Darkroom made a special trip out to New York last year to yep. meet us yep. at the PDN Photo Expo. Yeah, great guy. And The Darkroom is a lab on the West Coast. And these days, because, you know, you're, we're all shooting film, but, you know, the big question is where do I bring my film to get processed? Because mm -hmm. so many local labs have been closing. And even our local CVS, Target stores, Walmarts. It's diminishing. The Darkroom is an option, and they've really stepped up to develop all films. films. 110 film, 126 film, 35 millimeter film, 620 film, 120 film, 4x5 film, 8x10 film. Wow. One-stop uh, shopping. Black and white, color print C41, color slide E6. E6. You have an old piece of film you found from the 1960s, like Ektachrome X mm -hmm. with a defunct format. They'll yeah. process it as black and white. What about Seattle Filmworks film? Send it over. <laughs> Uh, 122, 20, 35, 4x5, 8x10. It's the darkroom.com. They also do testing of awesome films like Lomo, X-Pro, Red Scale, True Black and White, Crossbird, Redbird, oh, Nightbird, oh, hey. uh, Infrared Films. All of us here at the FPP highly recommend you go there. They'll take good care of you. The darkroom.com. Tell them Mike sent you. That's right. Tell them. <laughs> Mike who? who. <laughs> tell them the FPP sent you. Yeah. Bruce Jenner for the Minolta XG1. The Minolta XG1 35mm is so automatic, I can keep taking pictures while my friend Jeff kicks the ball from sunlight to shadow. The XG1 changes the exposure not just automatically, but continuously. 
Minolta's continuous automatic exposure system helps give you pictures you never thought you could take at a price you never thought you could afford. The Minolta XG1, the automatic choice in automatic cameras. Hey, we're back. Wow. We're going to be giving away Minolta XG1 outfit um, courtesy of Mike Weil Photography. I think it's spelled let's see what let's see what the print let's see what the if he gives the print pronunciation. Wild. Mike Wild. Oh, Mike Wild. Okay. Yeah, Mike Wild. You know him. I believe he's flicked contact. Let me check. He says, Hello, Michael and the rest of the FPP Zoo. That describes us well. I cross paths with Alex Laux from time to time on photo walks around Toronto, and he introduced me to FPP a few years ago. Until that time, I did not know of your great project. To get a bit of exercise into my routine, I walk for about 65 minutes to get to and from my job each day. Good for you, man. Excellent. Yeah, that is excellent. It is mostly through a visually dull office park, so some noise is needed as a distraction. I grew tired of drive-time jocks or left-leaning broadcasters. (laughs) 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 And turned to the web for downloadable content new to me to see what is about on Photo Talk. I'm, I'm gradually getting caught up on the current productions. Keep up the great work. You make my walks most interesting listen, and there's still a few weeks or so until I will have them all listened to. I've been busy playing with photography for over 25 years now. Wow. I started in high school shooting and printing images for the yearbook. There you go. These days, I keep my photographic obsession busy with corresponding on APUG, that's A-P-U-G, or planning upcoming workshops that I lead to share my knowledge of film when I otherwise cannot find the time to be out shooting or busy printing. I participate in postcard and print exchanges that are organized on the APUG.org, A-P-U-G dot O-R-G. As Matt Marash reminds listeners regularly on your podcast, there is nothing like the feel of seeing and holding a real print. Oh, yes. Well, I have enclosed a number of extra prints. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Whip them out. Fiber base. Is it? Nice. Fiber base. You know, speaking of fiber, Mike, yes. you did a marvelous job when I walked in the studio today. Yes. Whipped from the road. I was instantly lifted up as I saw some of my own prints. Yes. Fiber prints just hanging like in different areas on the wall. It's great. Great have to you see. been in the bathroom yet? I have. Okay. <laughs> These are from Port Huron, Michigan. Oh, cool. Uh, I love it when someone says a print and then on the back is information. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've started decorating the studio with prints that we receive. And, of course, we take so many pictures of our own little... FPP Zoo that rather than sitting in a pile I'm slowly going through the pile and putting them up some of the images are very meta too because like it's the evolution of the same place where the image hangs I'll take a picture of of the setup yeah of the setup and then as the setup evolves they're updates It's awesome. You like that? There's, yeah, there's a new one every time in the bathroom. It's like, it's growing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says, I have enclosed a number of extra copies of prints that I have otherwise mailed out to the APUG postcard exchanges. Oh. You know what we haven't had in a while, Mike? A print exchange. I know. Yep. That's that was one of your topics? I, I want to talk. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, talk. We'll talk. I have yeah. sent them for your personal perusal to see what non-electronic images do to give you a first impression sampling of a person's work. I shoot many formats, 16 millimeter, 35 millimeter, MF medium format, 4x, and 4x5 in, in large format. And yes, a Fuji 210 Instax wide, a Polaroid Color Pack 2, and a Rainbow SX70 2. That's for you instant pactastic fiends. It's been a serious lack of Polaroid talk on this show, there man. has been. There has been. Yeah, it's I think we talked it out. There's no way to talk anything film photography out. It just it ebbs and flows. Yes, it is. We're in an ebb right now. Yeah, I have fun with traditional black and white processes, alt processing printing. I do C41 home processing. 
C41. An RA4 printing. Ooh, yes, what is there's that? Just some samples. That's, that's color darker. Color oh. paper. Something I haven't actually done. I'm, I'm looking to take a course. So I also process E6 transparencies. Whoa. Ooh. E6. I typically mix the needed volume of chemistry up from scratch and have frozen hordes of film and paper to work with. I regularly salvage, am gifted, or buy camera gear at auction or garage sales. I restore or modify this gear. I use cameras to make images for at least one roll or pack per fixed camera. As an example of my mods in the Dane vein... I have reworked an old Polaroid J66 roll film camera oh. that I have converted to shoot 70 millimeter times 5 inch negatives as a semi-panoramic shooter. I'm passing along a couple of expired 1982 Minox color films. Do you shoot Minox? Uh, I've, I've done two rolls. Okay. He says for Matt, but I gave them to Leslie. Because I have some uh, that's, a, that's a better Because if suggestion. Matt has to shoot Minox, he has to borrow my camera. I have to go to Leslie anyway, yeah. Uh, it's for to play with or to re- reload the cartridges. Mm-hmm. They are a bit rare and expensive. They are. So don't go losing them. No, no. Because if I uh, have to buy them, it'll come from Blue Moon. I'm also sending along a Minolta SLR rig that I bought as part of an auction. I have four Minolta SLRs now, so this one is a surplus. It is clean as as though new. XG1 fitted. Mike, you sent a plethora of lenses. I want you to know that we have some camera bodies on our shelf. What I did was, for our giveaway, giving away today, courtesy of Mike Wilde, um, a Minolta clean working, operational, XG1 with a Vivitar. Whoa, look at that. 35 to 105 lens. It's not a Series 1, is it? I don't know here. Fields. Wow. Heft. This is a... If you're... You will look seriously... Walk, you will look serious walking around with Oh, yeah. This. Oh, yeah. It gives other people lens envy. What is that? F what? What is the... It's a 3.5. Okay. But it is a floating or a fixed. Oh, like a it fixed. has a macro feature button, so you can get it's real three five. Nice. And also, I thought maybe it was a Series 1. It is not, but... And also in this package, we're giving away a 80 to 200 millimeter zoom. Nice. Um, any of the other glass, Mike, we uh, basically allocated to other bodies. Uh, so if you would like to win this Minolta XG1 with the awesome 35 to 105 millimeter zoom, it says, he says monster. It is. It's it wide. is. It's, yeah. yeah. And an 80 to 200 millimeter zoom. Uh, November 1st through November 15th, 2013, by going to filmphotographyproject.com forward slash giveaways to enter. As with all our contests, this is a camera for you to use. And if you're done with it or tired of it or have moved up, please do pass it along, pass it forward. Uh, never, We never sell or eBay a giveaway camera. A good camera, the XG1. It is. It's an- it's functioning beautifully. Yeah. So thank you, Mike. Yeah, Mike. We appreciate the prints. They're going to be uh, in our uh, FPP uh, gallery here on the various walls, on the door. In the various stalls. <laughs> stalls. We'll be back to talk about the Olympus OM3. I can assure you that this photograph was not selected for the exhibition. I've never seen that woman before in my life, let alone kissed her. Of course you haven't. The image has been digitally manipulated. You can tell it's digital. The lack of depth, the dodgy skin tones. Look at the shadows on your face compared to hers. Two different light sources, you see. Two separate photos put together on some damn computer. The image has been digitally manipulated. Digitally manipulated. 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 Hey, it's Mike here. I'm here in, in the FPP store with Matt, Lauren, and Leslie. Hey. hey. Here to talk about Kodak Film. I want everyone to go to the filmphotographystore.com. That's our store to pick up a roll of Kodak Film. Why, Matt? Hey, well, because we have some of the best prices 
on the web. Bar That's none. right. The best. And what else? We have extremely fast shipping. Ooh. Oh. Super fast. Super fast. Yes. Speed of light. Super fast. I think people are very happy because our FPP, our very technological, in-computer shipper, works directly with the U.S. Postal Service. So the shipping price is the actual weight of the product. When people buy a roll of film, they're like, 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 great, it's a $2 roll of film, but yeah, now it's $15 after shipping. (laughs) FPP store. Everything in the store is in stock. We have lightning fast shipping. We have excellent shipping prices. And we now have the best prices on the web for Kodak Ektar, Kodak Portra 160 Portra, 400 T-Backs, Tri-X. Forget about the superstores online. Superstores. You can get beautiful, fresh. Is that fresh? Fresh Kodak film directly from filmphotographyproject.com. Click the store button. Lightning fast. Fresh. So fresh it should be slapped. Exactly. I was going to say so fresh that it will give a strudel mouth. Fresh mouth. (laughs) What's so great about buying from the film photography store? I will tell you. It supports this show. What show? The Film Photography Project. That's right. We are passing along the best price to you. Filmphotographystore.com 2013 Kodak Film. Thank you very much. This is the view from Olympus. Olympus OM2. Top of the line. Top of a new world of single lens reflexes. Hold it. Focus and fire it. State of the art. Total sophistication of electronics. Total simplicity of use. Camera of professionals. Of people who take no less than excellence. Take no pictures less than great. Olympus OM2. Excellence by design. Hey, we're back. Hey, really quick, you know, we've given away. When I say giveaway, it's going back with Leslie to Ohio to a student, an OM1. Beautiful. This thing looks new. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But today, you're going to talk about the OM3. The OM3. And I'm hoping you will tell us the differences between a little I, bit. I, I will. And a lot of people don't even know an OM3 existed. Oh. Ah. Is it rare? Very. Second rarest Olympus camera in the SLR family ever made. And why do you have one? And why do I have one? <laughs> <laughs> How would you get one? What don't I have? Actually, I have this new in the box. Um, That's NIB. Yes, it is. I do. You keep it in the box or you shoot with it? I keep it in the box, and there is a roll of film in it now. But You'll I take it for a little spin. I, I am, but I won't put it on a tripod. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to make a little pressure mark. Uh, I want to keep it pristine. When so. you don't use it, do you take the battery out? Yes. Introduced in 84, 1984. Olympus's family at that point was the OM-1 and the OM-2. Everybody's heard of that. And the pan cameras were still made. Mm-hmm. So... They were always really been a professional camera company and really didn't start with the stylus and those type of cameras until a little later on. But this was introduced as an upgrade to the OM-1. It is a full manual camera. And there are improvements over the OM-1. This is a faster shutter speed, 200th of a second. ASA dial is 6 to 3200. And the way that the um, mechanical shutter travels and times in the slow and the fast have also been improved on this camera. The metering system is probably one of the most accurate metering systems you can have. It's center-weighted or spot. Mm-hmm. You can also choose eight spots and have it average them together. Mm-hmm. LED on the bottom. It does have a light to light the LED up in low light. A little bit later, they did make, even though this body is all metal, the Advance is all metal. That's rare. There's usually some nylon in there. Uh, they made an OM3 Ti, a titanium body. Whoa. 
So, pretty sweet. Now, what's really sweet, there's no batteries in this camera. Sweet. It shoots at any shutter speed, not just a fixed. It'll shoot at any shutter speed. So you can meter elsewhere. Don't With no battery. It. With no battery. Because you're saying some cameras, once you take the battery out, it's stuck at one shutter speed. Uh, once like you take the batteries out, the cameras do not function. Oh. Because they're okay. electronic shutters. That's 90% of them. Okay. And I'm sitting here with a Nikon beside me that if the battery goes dead or I take it out, I do have one manual shutter speed that I can use, which happens to be synced to flash, uh, 250. Because it's the Nikon and that type of thing. They fixed the shoe on this. Shoe? What shoe? The shoes on the OM-1s and the OM-2s were an optional item. This is now a fixed the shoe. The OM-1 has no shoe, correct? It was an optional item. You bought a shoe oh. to go with it. Shoe 1, shoe 2, shoe 3, shoe How four. would you put it on? It just it has it a little, literally has a little screw here, slides on, the pins slide in. Is that right? And then there's a little thumb wheel and you just tighten it down. It became the rarest camera because they didn't discontinue the OM-1 when they introduced the OM-2, or the OM-3, I'm sorry. What happened to the 2? Uh, the 2 was replaced by the 4. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Why did they go from why did it go from 1 to 3? They went 1 to 2. Okay, 1 to 2. Okay, 1 to 2. 1 manual, 2 with some automation. Okay. 3 to 4 are the replacement versions of those. Is the 3 the replacement for the 1? Yes. Interesting. Two full mans. That's the problem. They didn't discontinue like the from. one. They didn't? No. Why? I don't know. No one asked me, but when you could buy a tried and true mechanical camera, if that's what you were looking for, for about half the money, they went with the OM-1. So this has a three-year life. It only lasted three years, and then they discontinued it. The OM-1 was still being made a year later. Still buy it in 87. So it's a production issue, uh, sales issue, why this makes this camera so rare. There are not many of them. The only rarer Olympus is the M1. Leica got real haty about that. This sounds too much like our model, so they called it the OM1. But it is a beautiful camera. Owners of OM3, I'm sure, chastise me because I don't use it more often because it is a fabulous camera. But, you know, there's just not enough time or light in the day for me to shoot with every camera that I own. Right, of course. So... But the OM3 is just a stunning, beautiful camera. It's her baby. It's she my baby. She absolutely loves it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Olympus is your go-to every day if you're just running out the door to grab some shots. Uh, mm. Either the OM1 or OM2, whichever my hand falls on oh, first. Okay. Yeah, either one. Does so, it bother you that there's no hot shoe on the OM1? OM, or does your OM1 have Mine all have shoes. They have shoes? My, yes. Now, my the student who's shoes. getting the OM1 without a shoe, yes. what if she wants a shoe? What does she do? She comes and sees her Aunt Leslie, and I put a shoe on it. Shoe? What shoe? I have shoes. She's got some, yeah. For real? Mm-hmm. I have shoes. Does it go in this port right here? Yep. Yes, it does. Yeah, and it levels and then it out. There's and, literally yeah. a thumb wheel then on the back, and you Get tighten it down. Out. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Makes all sense. They also have another accessory line, too, that if your flash unit is an off-the-camera flash, it cords in and cords through that port. Not through the shoe. The so that's why they didn't always sell them with shoes. The first time I borrowed Leslie's OM1, I thought I broke it because it was loose. loose. The shoe yeah, was loose. Yeah. Satisfying click. Very, very much, much so. so. There's um, air dampers in there to keep them quiet. The bodies are not too big. They're very small. Very compact, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this camera that I'm going to be giving away in the future. I just want to see the difference. It's a ME Super. ME Super is another small camera. It's a little bit smaller than the OM1. Is that the Pentax? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a Pentax. Yeah. yeah. But line it up to one of your Canon AE1s, and it will look right smaller. Is there an Olympus version of an all-automatic, completely automatic camera? What would that be? OM88, OM77, 707, mm-hmm. 101. I'll bring one sometime, but some of those are uh, DOGs. <laughs> Dogs. Oh. <laughs> Woof. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, they were incredibly, they were autofocused, but incredibly slow. That's the OM3. And that is don't the ask, OM3. Don't ask to borrow it. No. <laughs> we'll be right back. I'm here in the studio with Matt. We're doing a live spot for the Debonair. Oh, my gosh. That plastic, fantastic. Yep. Easily the coolest 120 toy camera out there. 120 toy camera. FPP found 2,000 cameras up in Rochester, New York. They're now in the FPP store. It's 19.99 U.S. And while supplies last, you get the camera and a roll of 120 film. We've been selling it now for a month or so, and it's usually popular. We're sending out a lot of cameras per per week. As a matter of fact, I... Some of the folks at the show that we ran into what show? had ordered from the FPP store. Lately, myself, Matt, and Leslie from Imagine That. Imagine That. <laughs> Sprockets. Oh, they just look fantastic, Mike. Uh, we Instead of using 120 film in the FPP Debonair, which is a 120 plastic camera, myself, Matt, and Leslie have been dropping in 35-millimeter cartridges. It fits perfectly. All you need is, like, a piece of, like, uh, packing peanuts. Packing peanuts. Some gaffer's tape. Yeah, one on each side. And Ooh. you're good to go. It fits in perfect and... Nice and snug. Nice and snug, and it, it creates uh, your image on 35-millimeter film, includes the image onto the sprocket area of the film, which is... Very cool. When people see that, they're like, whoa, whoa. how'd you do that sprocket photography? <laughs> so the FPP Debonair Film Photography Store.com I know it sounds funny. Be like, hey man, you got you have two thousand of them. It's a limited amount. Think about it. That's it. How many you guys, guys and girls out there listening? We have way over two thousand listeners listening to FPP regularly. Get it now. It is the coolest camera. A number one recommended by myself, Matt, Leslie, anyone that's used it so far. Two thumbs up. So filmphotographystore.com. One twenty film cameras. There it will be. Check it out. Yeah. And now Kodak presents a holiday reminder from Betty White. A good day to make the wonderful world of color yours with color snapshots. And you can do it so easily with your own camera, the one you have right now, and Kodakolor Film. Kodakolor Film comes in all the popular sizes. And believe me, next to the pickles, it's the most important part of the picnic. So when you're out for holiday fun, be sure to take along an extra roll or two of Kodakolor Film. So you can capture all the fun and color of your happy family day. With Kodakolor Film, you can take color snapshots as easily as black and white. Just aim and snap, and you get beautiful, sparkling color prints. So no matter how you spend your day, save the fun in color. It makes a world of difference with Kodakolor Film in the familiar yellow box. Remember, you can depend on the name Kodak. Hey, we're back. You know, there's been such a lack of uh, Polaroid chat on this show, watch show. I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about some odd formats. I, I received one or two a month about Polaroid 80. Oh, the square. Square format. And there is a seller on eBay this year in 2013 who Ooh. has a, you know, huge lot of f- tested film. It's very pricey. I'm thinking it's somewhere 30 or $35 per pack. Ooh. But you know what? If you have the camera... It takes 88, 89... Yep, 87. 87 is the black and white version. Yep. Yeah. I have in my hand a pack of 89 that expired in 8 of 07, 2007. Nice, wow. right? Wow. That's got to be close to the last run. Well, you know, folks out there who shoot with Holgas, that the Polaroid back for your Holga is designed to use square film. The, I did not. No. The back... 
takes both square oh, film both. and the FP100C. Oh, that's nice. And if you shoot with the what is comp, what is available, which is the FP100C, you'll notice your image cuts is a, off. It's a yeah. blank spot. Mm-hmm. Do you know what other camera did that? No. Super Shooter. Polaroid oh, Super Shooter. Polaroid Super Shooter. Yes, <laughs> takes both, both uh, formats. Uh, and, of course, the uh, infamous Polaroid Zip, which is a color pack. Did it take... Both only size? Oh, only square. Only yeah. square. And I have to say, there's something nice about a square frame. Very nice. You yeah. do think differently. It's it's yeah. Mm-hmm. The composition yeah. changes. Some people. I one of the believers that it's it's easier to get a pleasing composition <gasps> in the frame. Do you in the square frame? Yeah, like it's it, it's still challenging to work around it, but. You know, once you kind of find your way around the square, it's very pleasing. It's yeah. very easy to get a nice look with it. Now, you know, here we are in 2013, end of 2013, and sadly, I'm afraid to report, you know, because we started the FPP way back in the 09, <laughs> when fresh, when film was pretty much still fresh. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was during the Great, the great Depression. The Great Purge <laughs> of Polaroid. When Polaroid was ending and there was no Impossible Project, but you could still walk into Walmart and buy a Polaroid. Uh, 600 film, and you could still get much easier these dead formats, uh, the square Polaroid 80 format. Uh, sadly, this format is really dwindling. It is, and we sold very little of it when I worked retail, Yeah, except for one source. It was used in a lot of ID cameras. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, high school's ID, and it's when they were starting to shoot a picture yeah. ID of all their students. We'd sell it by the case. There's also a Polaroid Viva film. Yes, which is square. Mm-hmm. So I would say keep your eyes peeled on the bay. You're going to see a lot of film that is going to be dry. Dust. So here we are. I'd say if it's what year do you think? Depends on your film type. Uh, peel, Depends how it was stored. How it was stored. Peel apart. But these days, anything before 05, I think. I think you see 06, 07. Mm, if you see 09, you're probably pretty that's good. excellent. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. going to be the last yeah. you get. This is... Uh, 08, 07 expired. Here we are, 2013, end of um, Grab It While You Can. Grab It While You Can. And use it. Yeah. Yeah, use it. Don't sit on it, of course. We've talked about defunct Polaroid formats on the show throughout the uh, history of the FPP. You can go to the archive to listen to that. We've talked, of course, about the infamous Polaroid 500 format mm. from the 1990s. <laughs> yeah. yep. Ditto. Like, either now is the time. If you're going to grab a Polaroid Captiva, which you can get for almost nothing on eBay, sometimes NIB new in box. Yes. 99 cent starting price. Yeah. I'm going to load this camera and, uh, you know, hopefully get a few shots around the studio. Oh, it'll be cool. Maybe yeah. a shot of Matt. Mm-hmm. Maybe Leslie allow me to shoot her. She hey. might. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's our little Polaroid corner for this show. Uh, here is a, a quick note from... Uh, Marcello. Oh, Marcello. Uh, Marcello. Marcello. How do you spell This is my Marcello. Yanez. No, Yanez. Oh, Yanez. So it has a little bit of a G like yes. lasagna. Marcello Yanez. Yep. Says, do you know what I did with him? No. I, because... I wanted to mention him in something. I made him call my answering machine at work so I knew how to pronounce his name. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Whatever. He's a student. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. He says, Mike, Mike, got a tip for you to broadcast. <gasps> to broadcast on <laughs> next FPP. <laughs> Expired PX70 Cool is best shot in an SLR 680 <laughs> with two notches to lighten. The results are ten times better all the way than to darkening it in an SX-70. And that's exactly what I'm shooting today. A couple of people on Twitter myself have noticed this. I'm glad he found a little niche, like a little way to use the film that he finds best. 
But you will admit that it is going to vary camera to camera. It will. Yeah. He's also mastering Silver Shade beautifully. Oh, good. Very He's nice. turning out some wonderful stuff. This, of course, yeah. is uh, SX-70 film called yep. PX-70, uh, made by The Impossible Project, uh, sold in the film photography store, our very store. Uh, we're an Impossible Project partner, uh, so please do drop by the store, filmphotographystore.com. We have uh, PX-70 color protection. We also have the PX70 uh, Cool, the black and white. Silver shade. Silver shade, yes. Based upon your camera and the age and how it was stored and how the sensor reacts, you are going to have to get to know your camera to figure oh, yes. out. When people email me about Polaroid photography, mm-hmm. I kind of relate to them that it's an investment. People who just pick up a camera and think you're going to pop in a pack of film and every shot's going to be perfect. Nope. <laughs> no way. No way. Think of it as an investment in your photography to find the quirks of that camera. What is the word for that? Their charm. <laughs> I actually tape the bottom of my cameras, my SX-70s, uh, with little notes. This one shoots normal. This one shoots light, light dark. So, yeah. yeah, you have to learn their little quirks, their charms. Yeah. It's <laughs> all about the love. It is all about the love. It's all about the love. Let's take a quick listen to these messages from the FPP. Hey, this is Michael Rosso, host of the Film Photography Podcast, and a huge thank you to folks out there who have donated to the FPP over the last few months or year. All of us here at the Film Photography Podcast are volunteers, and that's why we ask you to donate. If you love the FPP and really dig the podcast and continued blogs, videos, then please consider donating to the Film Photography Project, and you could do so very easily by either finding a camera, a film camera that works, and consider donating it to the show. Do you have any excess film that you're not shooting? Or if you can make a contribution, you can easily do that on the FPP Film Photography Project site and click Donate. Everything that's received is used for the Film Photography Project and its podcast for our monthly giveaways and any monies that are made in the FPP store just fuel the podcast. Let's keep these shoes going in 2013 and beyond. The Film Photography Podcast. It's here for you. Mm, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, we're back. Hey, really, really quick. I want to, you know, I've been a bit of a Canon EOS maniac lately since I've discovered Canon EOS cameras. I have to tell you, I'm a Canon FD guy. That's the FD line of lenses, the, you know, Canon mm-hmm. FTB, AE1, T90, you know, T60, T50, T70. And any EOS cameras that were sitting on the shelf here, I all but ignored. I did take out the EOS Elan 2 to one of the PDN Photo Expos a few years ago and kind of was disappointed in my results. But you know what? I spent some time with EOS, and I've got to kind of, like, find out their charm. Their charm. <laughs> and also, the fact that we shoot YouTube videos, we currently, we, we invested in a Canon EOS Rebel T3 camera, which is now shooting our YouTube videos. And the beautiful thing about that is that it uses the same... EF lenses. Yep. So I thought, hey, you know, there are a lot of people out there who shoot digital who want to get into shooting film if you're a Canon shooters, and there are an awful lot of Canon shooters mm-hmm. out there. Oh, yes. Is to take a back step. Buy a Canon EOS film body and use your existing lenses. Mm-hmm. And my particular favorite, there are a lot of bodies out there, a lot of rebels. 
Rebel 2000, the EOS Elon, the EOS Elon 7. But my favorite is the EOS, EOS Rebel, Rebel XS. XS. And Matt oh. says, like, oh, my God, that's a student camera. I love it because it's small. It handles really well. Uh, it has that feature. When you load a, a roll of film, it sucks the whole roll in. Yes. And, and then, back. And then yeah. it comes back. Counts yep. backwards. Nice. I kind of like that. Yeah. It's, it's twofold. It's protection, too. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And I recently invested in my first, as Mark Dalzell says, like, well, you bought a, you bought a new lens? He couldn't believe it. He <laughs> couldn't believe it. I purchased a Canon 40mm f2.8 pancake lens. It's adorable. It's adorable I, lens. I remember when this happened. It opened up at $200 when it first came out. And I was mm-hmm. hemming and hawing, and I didn't, I didn't press the trigger. And by the time I purchased it, it was reduced $50. Wow. $150 new on bnh.com. That's great. It is great. Like when you first get it, I have the, the box. Yep, it's sitting here. Right here. Yep, exactly. All the instructions. I have my B and H. And because it's the, it is the first new lens I've purchased since I was a child, I did purchase a Hoya 52 millimeter MC UV filter. Ooh. Because I kind of want to protect my glass. Of course. Cheap, cheap protection. What's, yeah. what's so fun about that lens is like if someone else doesn't know any better, it looks like it just it's the body cap on, it does. on the camera. It's, it doesn't even look like sweet. a lens is on there. It is. It is sweet. And I already see some specs on my Hoya, mm-hmm. which tells me that, uh, you know... I'm fine. Who are you? Yeah, we're protecting, <laughs> <laughs> protecting my glass. And I did some Googling. The Google. And a gentleman by the name of Ken Rockwell. Oh, yeah. He has a very vast site on cameras, camera lenses, UFOs, and other things. <laughs> yes, many other things. Many things. But I have to tell you, it is a virtual library a comprehensive of library for lenses. He has an awesome review, detailed review of this Canon 40mm lens. And two thumbs up from Ken and two thumbs up from just about anyone else that uses it. That yeah. uses it, mm-hmm. mostly talking about the fact that it's so squat, the fact that you know <laughs> there's no fall off around the edges, mm-hmm. that the glass holds up oh, all yes. around. And also at f2.8, you do get a beautiful separation between your, your primary uh, focus, let's mm-hmm. say it's a person, and the background, so you do get a beautiful what's known as bokken. Yeah, I, I like Limited the. I just like the the focal length of it too. Forty mil is just kind just, of just slightly it, wide. It's just slightly wide from the standard mm-hmm. lens. Yeah, yeah, it looks nice. So that's my 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 Canon EOS tip of the day. If you're a digital sh- shooter and you want to go back to film, or if you're a film shooter and want to invest in a digital camera mm-hmm. for some weekend photography with the family, or if you want to shoot home movies on the bay. You can pick up a Canon Rebel T1. I think it's T1, T2, T3. They have other names. In Europe, they call them else, like a D500, D5000. There's a lot of different bodies. Uh, I called up my good friend, Henrik Kudo, because he is a Yes, he shoots with the Rebels. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I'm very confused. What should I get? He says, get a a, um, a T3. What is it? T3i. T3i. Mm-hmm. He said, that's good. It's high def. HD, yep. HD. I said, what if I want to save a few bucks? He's like, you can go T1, you can go T2. You know, mm-hmm. I like it also because it referenced to Terminator movies. <laughs> <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. It's great when you can just pop off lenses and, um, you know, jump back and forth for whatever your mm-hmm. photography needs are. Oh, yeah. And in the future, I'm going to talk about and probably shoot a YouTube video of, you know, don't be a chimp. Because you have a digital, <laughs> you know, because you yes. shoot digitally, you could shoot with more confidence and close. Close the back, the screen on the back of your camera, and just look through the eyepiece like a photographer does and stop checking your work. It's completely unnecessary. And all it is is a lack of confidence, commonly known as chimping. Chimping. 
You shoot, look down, shoot, look down, shoot, look down, scroll. You're taking time away from your photography mm-hmm. and what you're doing with your time to check your work. When in fact, you know what? If you're unsure, you know, do what I do. Bracket, shoot a few different few frames. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the ultimate challenge is to go completely manual outside using um, what's known as... The Sunny 16. The Sunny 16. You could go to Sunny 16 and Google. The Google. Google. Great. It's Wikipedia page. Yeah. Download that. Go outside. All manual. So you're outside. You know, don't keep your ISO. I'm not, by the way, I'm not preaching. I mean this from the heart, Rick, if I, because I've done this. Don't go out like auto ISO. Go into your camera. Set an ISO of 100. Yeah, force yourself to work with limitations. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go into the menu, ISO 100. Go outside and shoot at uh, 1 one hundredth of a second at F16 mm-hmm. and then bracket your photography don't chimp and then at night come back and like look at all your sca- look at all your images digitally am I going to be like uh, chastised because I'm talking about digital photography I don't think so good yeah. thank you quick pics do not stock film they are exclusively digital it breaks my heart to think it may have succumbed thank you folks for putting up with me <laughs> But it is fun to shoot manually mm-hmm. in a digital format. And the difference between the two mediums, film and digital, is very little. It's the same principles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking about the compatibility between the Canon EOS yes. and the digital. Um, Nikons go even further back. A oh. lot of those lenses. Um, yeah, because Canon, I think it was the mid-80s, that's when they, or the 80s, when they introduced the EF mounts. Mm-hmm. EF from the EF, FD. Yeah, EF from FD. But Nikon goes even further back. And that's why a lot of the older Nikon glass goes for a lot more. On your auction sites because people are buying the, the HD DSLRs mm-hmm. and doing video just like you are, Mike. Yes. But they want the look that they can get from the shallow depth yes. field on those manual focus lenses. Mm-hmm. So. And now technology has opened up to, I don't know about this too much, Leslie, you know more. And, of course, Mr. Kuto knows a lot more because he owns one. Canon FD glass has become valuable because people are putting it on Sony digital movie bodies. Oh, yeah, the little NEX, the NEX. Yes. Yeah. So, like a the, your your Canon FD fifty millimeter at one point four is of value to people. Yeah, they have a little adapter ring. and yeah. it gets you a, a nice mm-hmm. little close focus. Yeah. And is there a Nikon Canon? Is there any other Minolta or other brand that also has a compatibility? They, if if it mounts uh, on a camera, they have a mount for it. Is that right? For those smaller cameras. Well, yeah. for those, yes. Yeah. Uh, not for like a, a digital still body. Um, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, no. Right. I know right. for each legacy manufacturer, like the Sony will have an old Minolta Well, that's mount. because Sony bought Yeah, exactly. Minolta. So they'll have an old, so s- and then Nikon will have its old mounts. And you can mm-hmm. get... Sony bought Minolta? Yes, they did. Yep. You can get old... Um, on eBay, they make adapter rings. Now, there's two different kinds of your adapter rings. There's one that maintain the electronic information and some that don't. But On some. On some, yes. Yeah. You can't it's, adapt it's very, everything it's very convoluted, the stuff but, doesn't line up. But you but have to just check per your camera mm-hmm. series. Sony bought Minolta. Sony bought Minolta. And Disney bought Star Wars. I know. Yep, and Marvel. That's one wonderful thing about photography, uh, Matt, when you were at the, the, uh, the, the gorgeous Photostock 2013. Did people really just talk? So you have people of different religions, different yes. you know, political beliefs. That's probably my favorite thing is you're talking to someone for so long about photography. Something might like like accidentally slip in there about like, you know, their philosophies or something like that. And you just keep going because it's you're talking all you care about is photography. And there are some guys that are like, yes, they're very political just generally in their speech yep. or or religious or what have you. And it doesn't matter because they they came there for photography. They didn't come to preach. They didn't come to recruit. They came to talk photography and have 
have a good time and relax, and that's all that matters that weekend. And that's why it's such a big deal for folks because it's you're getting away to nothing but photography. Right. It's a beautiful thing. It is. We value you listening to us. We got an order from our eBay site. FPP now has an eBay store. Mr. Michael Butkus. Really? Isn't that great? That's yes. awesome. He ordered some 620 film because uh, we now manufacture our own spools. Can you yes. show Matt our spool? I can. It's on the FPP site, filmphotographystore.com. If you all know Brownie that takes 620 film, you could buy all the new you know films. Ooh, is it? That's and, nice. And uh, Michael Butkus, of course, is my hero because he has put the time uh. and effort into oh, yes. scanning camera manuals. Oh, yes. I have two of his manuals. And you can go to Orphan Cameras. I believe it's OrphanCameras.com. Uh, if you just type in Orphan Cameras in Google, you'll come up with a site. <laughs> the Google. Or if you put in the model you're looking for in manual, and manual he's, he's the, usually yeah. he's the first. first thing that comes up. Yeah. I got my scenery don't manuals from him. Don't go anywhere yes. else. No. No. Don't yeah. don't pay for a manual unless you're on Mike Buckus' site right. and you donate. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And you can donate. And uh, thanks, Michael. I'm really happy. Uh, Michael is in New Jersey somewhere and uh, Someday we'll track him down and, you know. Yeah, he'll save on shipping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, Michael. So, and thank you out there for listening. You can reach us at podcast.filmphotographyproject.com. We do have another segment uh, I'm very excited about, a Home versus Travel, right after this. Welcome to the 78th Luxton Deeping Photographic Society Annual Exhibition. The Society was founded by my grandfather, Casper Madrigal, with the aim of promoting the art of film photography. That is to say, photographic images produced without the intervention of computers. Fine examples of which can be seen on the walls all around you. Ladies and gentlemen, those old farts over there would have us living in the 20th century forever. Well, this is the 21st century, folks, and times, they are a-changing. That's why we formed the Luxton Digital Camera Club. As of today, join us and join the 21st century. Show some bloody manners, Bright. Hey, we're back, Matt. One of your Matt. One of your topics was let's see, tra- travel photography versus shooting close to home. Yeah, you know, um, I've been traveling around. I did a lot of traveling around during the summer. It's kind of slowing down. You know, winter time is getting the darkroom start printing. Yep. Kind of time, it's the, the green. The greenery is gone. It's just kind of getting drab out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to start printing my work, and I'm just kind of noticing the the quality and the, the number of keepers I'm getting when I shoot closer to home versus travel. Everybody takes a camera with them everywhere they go now. We're in a world where yes, ma- man, woman, and child. Just everybody has a camera. Your dog has a camera. <laughs> Everybody's shooting, throwing things on YouTube, on Flickr, just everywhere. It's kids. Instagram is like everything crazy. Yeah. Exactly. So there's there's images everywhere. So how do you kind of refine your image how you know what what are you seeing when when you go somewhere and when you travel you know there's always these the touristy kind of trap places like everyone's gonna go here so niagara falls everybody goes to the falls they're not just walking around town kind of thing and i'm looking at my images and kind of seeing it, it takes a long time some places where i was traveling for up to a week it took maybe until like a day or two before i left before my images started to feel like i was getting somewhere with them yeah. whereas the stuff that's closer to home as much as it feels like a boring image because I live around there and I'm wa- I'm seeing it every day your eye is going to get used to it's going to filter out the crap over time you know it's going to filter out certain things and even though something's new and exciting it might not be that visually exciting to someone that in the area you're from does that does that make sense absolutely makes sense <laughs> what you're saying is because where you live you're so in a sense desensitized to it yes or bored by it mm-hmm. what you don't realize is that image is of great interest 
to someone who doesn't live in your area. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Leslie, Leslie has a great story about this. I do. The Maza. <laughs> oh, my God. The most humdrum. Oh, the black and white image. The black and white image right? on the double X. One of my test shots. Yes. It huge went for me you know i don't have a lot of flicker people it's okay 45 60 people look at it today is a good day this thing it's it will soon hit 2000 what happened i have no idea <laughs> i have tried who stole my image yeah or whatever it's called mm-hmm. i cannot find anyone who stole my image so uh, people just so, like it i don't know it just well, bang 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 finding it did flicker feature it yes it did hit explore. Oh, that's that. That'll do it. Uh, but you know what? It has to have a certain amount of activity to get to that point. Yeah, uh, so it, once again, as I say about many of my images, I just don't get it. <laughs> and it happens, you know. It happens. But, but I, I find traveling, you know, walking closer closer to home, or you know, when I'm doing my ooh nice, when I'm doing my one a days, walking around looking for something one that'll be an acceptable subject or and two something i haven't shot before it's it's challenging it forces you to find new compositions in something that's completely every day you drive by it every day you walk by it every day and you can find some really neat work and if you look at a lot of photographers uh, very famous photographers street photographers especially they're not traveling to go get their work they're not location photographers they're they're people that are working within their you know their limits their means right. they're always in the same area and i think it's not as easy is it easier when you travel to find things that to shoot, of course, because the the stuff's, the stuff's laid out for yeah. you. It's new to you, and then you, you want to capture it. Yeah, and then you mm-hmm. see everybody else. Everybody has almost the same. The tripod holes are almost right there, you know, for you to take. Think, uh, think Yosemite National Valley. You know, think how many people took the exact the exact same, same, same shot, like the same tripod holes. Kind how of thing. how to get over? How how do you? How would you? What would you recommend to people who want to shoot locally? So to squint to see differently to get over the fact that you're bored with. The, how do you break through? It's very hard. No, like it really is. I mean, this is probably the third time I've dropped and picked back up the, the one a day, you know, for as long as I can tolerate it, shooting the 8x10 every day. It's just getting out there and forcing yourself to do it. Like, you just walk by, take the same, you know, take the same route and try to find different things each day along the same route. That helps because... One, you, you're going to see it. You, you don't have to go in different times. You can look at it in different light mm-hmm. and say, oh, this is the light. Yeah. You know, because typically the person that's going to get that shot of that locality is someone that has seen it in this light, that light. Great example, when I go to Photostock, who probably has the best images of that area? Bill Schwab, because he lives there. He's looking at it in every single conceivable light. It is true. When I'm on the road here locally, I'll pass by something and I'll notice the light. Mm-hmm. I'll know. I want to come back at this time because, oh, my God, look at that. That's that's the look. Yeah, That's the exactly. I so know. I've got two places pegged right now. Yeah, and in my head. And yeah. when you um, visit a place, it's okay to. Uh, I'm not saying don't take travel pictures. Go, please take travel pictures. It, it helps expand your your vision. Yeah, you know, the more you're shooting, the better. If you go somewhere and it's feasible to go back, go back because you're gonna you're gonna see something new. Mm-hmm. There, you're going to see something different. My new thing I, I talked about in the last couple episodes, that Temple of Tolerance down in Wapakoneta, Ohio. Uh, every time I go back, I see, not, not more, but you see deeper into the same things you're looking at. Like, oh, I, I looked at it like that, but that's pretty plain, Jane. Let's move this around a little bit. It's You're seeing things completely differently. You're just adding to your you know, your repertoire of images every time you go. So right. force yourself to do it. Even, even if you think it's humdrum and boring, you'll be surprised at how other people see that you're seeing something different in the same area. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, and that's why exhibiting locally is also good because you're um, you're seeing the area completely differently because you're, you've looked at it so many times. Somebody else who lives in that area might say, "Oh yeah, I've passed by that," but that's a really neat that's a really neat mm-hmm. look at the courthouse. Or I've never seen the I've never seen that side of town in that light. It's, it's, it's inspiring. So that's awesome. I think uh, folks listening are going to get a lot out of this. The idea of like looking differently in your you know what, what you're familiar with because you have, you do you have easy access to it yeah and like I, I really don't I think there's two different camps there are there are groups of people that the only amount of shooting they do is when they go on vacation or they are location shooters like they have to go to like a different place to go and shoot and that's great it's not for everyone not everybody can afford to you know travel here and there all the time please do if you go but there's uh, there's a lot to be said for shooting around at home right. and in your area and within your means mm-hmm. and because you can get a uh, a deeper body of work done and, right. and if you do travel look at the stuff you took at the beginning of the trip toward the end of the trip if you're if you're going specifically for photography there will be a difference awesome well, I think we have it covered for this show I want to thank everyone for listening I want to thank uh, Chief Inspector Detective Barnaby <laughs> <laughs> for solving the murder If you have not checked it out, please do, Midsummer Murders. I find it, uh, first of all, I love British programming. I find it relaxing, just like I find watching a uh, Christopher Lee Hammer horror movie relaxing <laughs> in, a, in a way that the, movie, the, the films are not fast-paced, but the, they're so plush and lush. Uh, hey, a shout-out to our good friend Darren Riley, uh, Alex Lauchs for doing our show notes. John Fideli could not be here. To the Jersey Boys, uh, Dane and Mark, who are not here today. And to all our FPPers out there who contribute, I appreciate it, and we will see you in two weeks. Show notes, filmphotographyproject.com. Just click on podcast to see what the music is you're hearing on this show. What show? See you soon. Yeah.